I have the power. That's right. Welcome to Revisit and Ruin, the show where we re revisit something from our childhood and most likely ruin our memories of it. I'm your host, CM. That's right. CM and Max is our co-host. Ah! ah! Releasing the reins. That's right. I'm amazing. All right. So here's the deal. We watched Masters of the Universe. Thus, I now have the power. Thus, CM is the host. Let's start off by... This isn't going to your head at all, not whatsoever. No, not at all. Yeah, all right. I have the power. Um, <laughs> so I just want to start off with a little synopsis for those of you who do not know who He-Man and the Masters of the Universe are. Um, in particular, as it pertains to the movie that we watched, which was done in 1987. Um, it's a good versus evil struggle uh, to obtain the power of, of Castle Greystall and Eternia. Gwildor, a tiny inventor, creates a cosmic key, unlocking travel throughout the universe. When it's stolen by evil Skeletor and used to infiltrate Castle Greyskull and imprison the sorceress in an attempt to secure the ultimate power. The story escalates into a struggle between good and evil when a second key is found out and the power of Greyskull hangs in the balance. Our hero's journey expands to, you guessed it, Earth where we meet a young Courtney Fox of Friends fame and Robert Duncan McNeil of Star Trek Voyager. Not to mention, this also stars the one and only Dolph Lundgren and his thighs as He-Man. And Frank Langella, the Shakespearean Skeletor, Meg Foster Evelyn, and Billy Barty as Gwildor, Max's favorite. <laughs> So, Max... Did you get this bio from somewhere? Did you write no, that? No, I wrote that. Wow. Wasn't that good? Impressed. Oh, I'm impressed. Rotten Tomatoes, I'm up for hire. Next time you're going to have to uh, memorize all of that. Nah, screw it. <laughs> um, so, Max, let's start with you. Yeah. Um, what's your memory of this movie? Did you see this movie as a kid? Okay, so this is uh, one of the first properties that we're reviewing that... I don't. I, I think I remember watching the like, He-Man a few times, and I definitely watched the movie at some point. But it is nowhere near like on my top lists of my childhood. That's um, a shame. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I wasn't that into it. Um, I think my version of He-Man was probably Thundercats. Okay. Um, I, I I don't know. He-Man was all right. Uh, the toys were. I don't know. It was okay. I preferred the Ninja Turtle toys. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. I could yeah. see that. Yeah. You really liked He-Man. Uh, for me, He-Man um, was a huge deal growing up. Um, I remember going to Blockbuster and getting all the VHSs to watch them all. Um, and I had a lot of the toys growing up. And it's a movie that, to this day, Max can vouch, I watch at least once a year. You watch this movie far too often. When we do this podcast, we go back to things typically we haven't seen in a while. You have seen this movie many times since your childhood. Because it's so good. Oh, that's debatable. It's so good. That's, that's All right, not I mean, true. Let's start with one of the best parts. When the movie starts, uh, the intro music, the theme music by Bill Conti. I mean, the music's fine. What? It's fine. It's, dun, 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 it, dun. it's not that memorable. It kind of sounds like <sighs> Superman. It's like a Superman ripoff. Okay, okay, that's true. That's, that's a little bit true. Yeah, All like right. you were, you're, you know, like you, especially the last 24 hours, have been singing this theme song. And every time <laughs> you sing it, I'm like, that's Superman. Okay, and maybe that's the problem. For you, maybe, did you see the, the movie Superman a lot growing up? 
Um, yeah. Okay, Which so preceded this movie. Uh, true, okay. By and a for while. me, I didn't really watch that that often. If it came on TV, sure. But, like, Masters of the Universe, if it wasn't on TV, and I definitely didn't own it as a kid until I was an adult, I was like, I gotta just buy it at this point. I went to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, and I rented it, like, all the time. Uh-huh. But that doesn't excuse the fact that the music's a rip-off. <sighs> <laughs> I'm going to ruin this movie for you. Yeah, here we I'm go. I'm going to ruin it, and I can't wait. <laughs> Did I mention the show's called Revisit and Ruin? <laughs> I prefer Ruin for this episode. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, so it starts off with this music, which is very dramatic in a, you know, uh, cheap kind of, we're going to evoke Superman kind of way. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, we just get ejected into this world. Which is amazing. They, like, throw you into it. Okay. It's, like, immediate. They're like, high stakes, here we go, bam. Um... You know what? Okay, I, I'll actually give you that. Right. Because we kind of get dropped in in the middle of, like... Well, not even the middle, actually. A, uh, 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 they've already overtook Castle Grayskull. Yeah, Skeletor has taken it, taken over Castle Grayskull, and he's imprisoned the sorceress. That's where and we it start. sounds like most of the good guys are dead. Uh, well, or, yeah. Or, or they're all split up. They're, they're all split up. So the idea is, and they never really get into it, the idea is that He-Man and all his, his counterparts, like... Um, the Man-at-Arms and Tila, everyone's been kind of spread out across the land because Skeletor are, has displaced them. That's the word I was looking for. Those are the only two that we see, really. Correct. Of Eternia. Yeah. Of the people of Eternia, those are the only people that they focus on. But there's a ton. Side note, another issue. They, like, show Eternia, like, they show Skeletor, like, talking to all of Eternia, and then they go back to, like, that same shot later on. You see, there are, like, seven people in Eternia. Why are they fighting over Eternia? There's seven people there. Otherwise, it's a desert. It's Tatooine. It is very desert-like in this movie, and it's an interpretation. And um, <laughs> it's a barren wasteland. Nobody's it's a there. barren wasteland. It's not as bright as the cartoon. Thanks, Mattel. Um, but like, I think I'm gonna say it's a budgetary thing because those are matte paintings. Oh, it's definitely a budgetary. Yeah, issue. like those are like it's a beautiful painting of Grayskull when they start out, and then they zoom in with this like dark. Um, narration, and you see, the, like, this little white speck there, like, this must be the sorceress, like, looking over Eternia right before they get invaded by Skeletor. I, I mean, I can honestly respect the fact that, like, you know, with its exposition at the beginning, they're basically yeah. saying, like, okay, here's, this is for the parents that, you know, don't know the lore of He-Man, um, this is what's happening, here's the deal, this is where we are, and I can respect that. It is very dramatic, it's very nice, the map painting's beautiful, but then you go into, like, just you know, budgetary issues, like, very quickly. And you kind of see that in everything. Everything looks cheap. Oh. Everything looks real cheap. Oh, come on. Even Courtney Cox looks cheap. Okay, okay. So <laughs> so then I'm not going to disagree with that, mm -hmm. actually, to your surprise, I'm sure. But um, that brings me to one of my first things I want to talk about. What makes this movie? And what makes this movie is the villains. For me, and it's always been, and I didn't realize it until we watched it yesterday together, and I was sitting there going, what brings me back to this movie every time? It's not Dolph Lundgren's, um, we'll call it stoic interpretation. <laughs> that's a lot to call that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot it's for that performance. It's very, it's rough. I mean, if it wasn't for those thighs and those abs, I'd be like, <laughs> what is happening? Uh, he can barely swing that oh sword. It's so heavy. You know, it, the perfect representation or the perfect thing to look at for uh, Dolph Lundgren in this movie is when they, his reveal, his like hero's reveal, um, 
Skeletor has taken over Castle Grayskull. He is addressing all of Eternia. And all of a sudden there's like this hologram, giant hologram of Skeletor. And you see He-Man from like the back, just like watching him. And he's got this like heroic pose. And then he turns around and the face he has on is like boredom. Sheer boredom. He's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And you know what it is? I think I think it's that it's it's of that time right when like not CGI necessarily, but like we're gonna insert this later on in post production. Uh, this is what you're looking at, and Dolph Lugger is just like, what the fuck? There's a <laughs> lot of that happening. Every time that the key, the magical key, starts playing, people are watching this like light show that's obviously not happening in front yeah. of them. And their faces are just all over the place. Uh, uh, I'm just saying, Dolph Lundgren, his intro was so fun. I laughed when he turned around. And And I I understood uh, it. I understood (laughs) it. But to my point, the villains make the movie. I mean, if it wasn't for from the second Frank Langella walks onto Castle Grayskull with the the pounding of the staff as he's walking through and his, like, Shakespearean overly dramatic interpretation of Skeletor, like... What else is there to watch of this movie? Like, the villains make it. Meg Foster as Evil Lynn with her, like, the little the little scoundrel's got the key. Like, it's very, like, everything's overly dramatic, but it works. It really works. Um, okay, so, so we're going into the villains, right? Yeah. Okay, here's my... I like Frank Langell in this movie. It's great. I, truly, I do. It's one of the few things that, like, is a very strong performance. Thank but, you. Uh, we we watched um, the documentary about like He Man and the Masters of the Universe right before watching this movie, and hearing him talk about this role, I was I was really watching, uh, you know, kind of his performance uh, pretty closely, and all of a sudden I realized something: he's in a different movie. Yes, he's in a totally different movie, and it kind of spoiled it for me in a weird way. It's like he came up. It's almost like he went on set, he said, and he was like, I'm going to be the star of this film. I'm going to make up for everyone else and everything else. And it kind of, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's like, I would love that character in, like, Star Wars. I Take totally out, that, yeah. Put it in Star yeah. Wars. Not in this movie. It didn't really match everything. I don't know. Well, it, because everybody weird. else, you know what it was? It was like he had this heightened reality about him because you're in Eternia. There's Grayskull. There's this, like not really defined power. Like, you don't really know what the power gets you in the universe. Like, what's the oh, point yeah. of it? yeah, it just gives you, like, a but gold suit he of gi- armor Yeah, like, eyes. he gives you, like, super... He gives a lot of importance to it, and everybody else around him doesn't have that heightened reality about them, except for maybe Meg Foster, because there's this really awesome scene where when he sends these, um... Uh, what do you call them? Uh... Nazis? Not Nazis. <laughs> There's no Nazis in this movie. There are Nazis in this movie. Uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, henchmen or um, oh, the the mercenaries. Mercenaries. When oh, he sends the mercenaries yeah. out after he after he man, he has a moment with um, Evil Lynn where they're like nose to nose, and you feel like this dark kind of awkward sexual tension that I kind of liked between those two characters a lot. Um, you know what? I'm wrong. He he is actually good in this movie. It's he he good. is appropriate to this movie because that one scene, you're totally right. It's a great scene. He gives scene. it another level. But you know what the difference between that and every other scene with him is? It's just him and her, right? And she yeah. is she is very good in this movie. They're both extremely Shakespearean. Yes. She, even the way that she just they cut to um to her just watching him speak and it's it's uh 
I don't know, it evokes this, like, this, this weird, like, like, love between, mm-hmm. like, and, and, and fascination that she has for him. It's not reciprocated. Yeah. But every other scene, he's talking to someone that, there, it's like one sh- person from well, Shakespeare and one person from directly from the cartoon. There's yeah. nothing else there. So that one scene shows, yeah, you're amazing. Everyone else is horrible. Yeah, and actually, their performances are so good that that's what makes everybody else look so bad. Yeah, like Dolph yeah. Lundgren's acting looks bad in it. Like it, Courtney Cox's yeah. acting looks bad in it, and yeah. she's not even doing that bad of a job. But like. Yeah, but that the, the humans in this movie are oh, it's a whole other issue. Which brings Let's, me to the heroes. Cool. Okay. So heroes, we we've talked about Dolph's body. Yeah, it's there. His acting is a little bit stone-like, and so we was, know that this was his second film. I think he correct. Said in the so to his to his credit, like who and, knows? He'll be in the new Aquaman, and he might know how to work with CGI. Well, better. he's he's worse since then. Like he was <clears> in Arrow, um, uh, maybe two years ago. That's CW. Uh, yeah, it, you know, okay. like he is. Oh, and he also was in the Untouchables. He's yeah, he's fun. done stuff. He's fun to watch, and like I love yeah. him as Drago. He doesn't really talk. I love him as Drago. <laughs> Um, <laughs> good, good reason, I guess. You know, this was also a time where like comic book movies were not great. Cartoon movies were like, eh, yeah. not so good. Yeah. And the studio was horrible that did this. So, so, I don't know. So here's the thing though. Like, but they didn't surround him with any, you know who the best actor of the heroes were? Gwildor. Okay. No. Gwildor was the only one because you know why? You had man at arms who looked like fucking Colonel Sanders with a helmet. And you had Tila who was physically uncomfortable in her outfit. She was crouched most of the time throughout the film. And it's because if you look closely, she has this rubber like thong thing going up that's supposed to accentuate her body. And it looks like if she were to stand up erect, she'd probably pull it right up her ass crack. Okay. Um... Tila was supposed to be, like, the strong female character in this movie. And she wasn't. They just so quickly made her just, like, I'm in love with He-Man, but they never really explore it. They no. just leave it for, like, a few lines for her. And, <clears throat> and jealousy of Courtney Cox. It's bizarre. Her role in this is so strange that when she has that one line where I laughed, where she was, like, she went outside, she shoots up the music store, uh, uh-huh. and she just goes, woman at arms. In relation to her father. You know, I never caught that line until you laughed at it. And I'm like, what is he laughing at? And I realized it was a woman <laughs> at arms. It, it's just like, this isn't, she didn't earn this. She is like, a, she's the weakest female character you can have in this movie. Courtney Cox Aww. is a stronger character than her. And she's supposed to be a warrior. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, I don't know, Man at Arms was fine. He was like an old dude who shouldn't have been there. He's like, I survived the battle of whatever for 30 days Well, you know what's food. sad about that situation? And here's what's not ironic. It might be the wrong word for this. But so there's Gwildor, this little man who's, um, we'll say, an elven dwarf-like creature. No, Gwildor is he, a midget with leprosy, but they constantly just ignore it. Yeah, so he <laughs> he's an inventor. Well, here's the thing. In the animated series, Man-at-Arms is is also an inventor. So he could have very well assisted in this whole situation <laughs> and gotten them home a lot sooner. Man-at-Arms has one job, and they gave it to Gwildor? They gave it to Gwildor. Oh, Because man. Man-at-Arms That's creates, like, all these gadgets that the heroes use and stuff like that oh. in the animated series. I feel so bad for man So at they arms. just made Man-at-Arms just like a soldier. Just like another soldier. Because, like, and he happens to have a daughter that follows him around that carries a gun. Yeah, that's bizarre. That's basically what so that weird. is. Um, I 
so I, I don't know a lot about the cartoon. Um, I know that they had this like stupid comic relief elf magician thing. Orko? Orko, correct. Okay, so, so they wanted to have Orko originally. But I mean, obviously with the time, they you, couldn't afford it. Yeah, there's no way. Obviously, a floating yeah. elf all over the it place. It totally makes sense. When you see like people flying around in this movie, it's embarrassingly And bad. it would have been really cartoony and would yeah. not have worked. I totally get why they changed Orko and like made it into a new character, you know, along with like the whole reasoning of making new toys. I totally understand it. Gwildor made me nauseous. Gwildor, <laughs> Gwildor eats so much in this movie it's and like gross. makes weird like 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 weird noises, <laughs> and I just found myself disgusted by him. The best part though is when they're at um, Billy's like chicken fried chicken whatever place, and they run into a cow in the field behind this place, oh, and, and just... Gwildor tries to communicate with a cow, that and was actually, he's like, "That was actually kind of funny." It was funny. He <laughs> goes, "Oh, I will communicate with this primitive creature," and you know he goes he up and he's to like, "Fuck that cow!" Rrr. You know he's trying to fuck <laughs> that cow. So like, it, Gwildor, put it down. Aww. Let's put it away. He definitely had his little Gwildor cock ready to go. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, Gwildor was gross. He always looked like greasy. Disgusting. He looked like he was rubbing himself with chicken all disgusting. the time. Disgusting. Who else? What other heroes right. are there? That's it. Because well, that's the, the sorceress is is standing there in a, a beam of light, frozen. And I really... Okay, so this is one of my other disappointments with the film. And it's been from day one since I saw it as a kid. The sorceress is supposed to be this like beautiful phoenix-like woman that is very ageless, and in this movie, they immediately start her off as if it's Helen Mirren, but the low-budget version, and it's really offensive. Oh, it sounds like you're ageist about this. Well, for the role, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because she they... She be beautiful, so you wanted her, her basically, like, her boobs to be out, you wanted, like... Well, her boobs aren't out in the, in the, in the, in the, in the cartoon, so you can stop it right there. <laughs> um, but my thing is, it's like, so if you're going to give this character a bit of age and, and maturity about her so that almost as if she might have a history with Skeletor, which I can understand because Skeletor def definitely seems older in this, but I like it that way. Mm. I feel like they should have given her more gravitas. And I don't know if that's the actress's fault uh, or the circumstance in which the first time you're hearing her talk, she's in this beam of light and she's supposed to be almost catatonic a little bit, if that's the correct uh, word. Catatonic. Catatonic, um, a little bit frozen. But uh, I feel like there's some. if it was somebody else or if they'd given her a, a really strong speech to just like ground her so that we're like, oh, this woman has history between the two of them and... You know, it just wasn't... It, she didn't sell it for me. Well, from that documentary that we watched, it looked like that uh, with the cartoon, these characters didn't have much of a history. We just kind of got ejected into the fact that, like, Skeletor was a bad guy, He-Man was a good guy, right? Co correct. Like, they didn't really come up with backstories until the comics came around. And then and the then, comics, the graphic novels yeah. started giving them backstories. And then if you watch the animated cartoon that's on nowadays, that's brand new. Or not brand new, but new-ish at or this the, point. Uh, I think a few years ago, it didn't yeah. catch on. It so didn't it catch on, but they gave Skeletor... The, the cartoon series started off with how Skeletor became Skeletor. Skeletor, yeah. you know? Like, he was a man, like a human person, or not a human, but a human-ish person that basically lost his skin and all that stuff and became this demon-like looking skeleton. Yeah. Um, so they gave him a backstory, but the, when the movie came around, it was really a cash grab. Like, they were like, they said to themselves, Mattel, uh, Mattel said to themselves, you know, this is doing really well. We need to do something more with this. If we do a movie, then, you know, we can jump on that. We can sell more toys. You know, everybody was, it was all about the money and they didn't really think about the material. 
for that reason, I think it predominantly looks good for what it is because Mattel, it's all, it's design, you know? So a lot of the design stuff is good. Um, but it's a lot of the story that's missing. No, I'm going to disagree with you okay, there. Go ahead. Again, okay, I have one great example. Um, <clears throat> He-Man's costume. First off, the cartoon, he didn't have a cape, right? In the cartoon, no. Why does he have this weird, like, too big for him cape? It's always so awkward. There's a point where he, like, fishes Gwildor out of the lake, remember? Yes. And his sword is, like, he's bent over he's in this lake. To, yeah. The sword is, like, like kind of protruding out, so it's, like, lifting the, the cape like a tent. And it's so awkward. It's also, like, low cut in the back on the shoulders so that you can see his shoulders. Like, they there's spaces nice there. They are shoulders. Look, I totally get that, <laughs> but, like, take off the cape. Yeah. Why does he need yeah. a cape? Yeah. It just, oh my god, that drove me insane yeah, the entire he, time, and he never loses it. Oh, except uh, maybe at the end he doesn't have it on. At the end, because then they laser whip him. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, uh, so here's, here's something else. Um, there are stormtroopers in this. Let's just call them what they are. They're Nazis. Can we call them what they are? They're Nazis. No, well, some may argue and say that stormtroopers are Nazis of Star Wars universe. True, yeah. Okay. So, I'm just saying. So you... maybe these are the Nazis of Eternia. Okay, does that make that does that make you feel better? Yes, because I cannot see Nazis. Okay. <laughs> well they have laser guns. And it had it not been that we there's movies like Star Wars that are so big. God, it just it it's always like hit a weird chord with me where I'm watching this movie where yeah, there is a tie between medieval and futuristic like technology. <clears throat> but it so seemed as if they had taken the sound effects and stuff from Star Wars and just plugged it into this. There was nothing really original about it that bothered me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how you can really... Again, like, I'm, I'm totally giving them a huge uh, uh, point of leeway because their budget was obviously horrible. And so their solution, obviously, was, like, build a few sets for Eternia... And then we're going to do everything else on Earth. You know, that brings costs way down. Mm -hmm. We just need to have some elements still that are, like, you know, futuristic. Because the alternative is if they're running around on Earth and they're just using, like, swords and stuff. What do they have in the cartoon? Is it just swords or do they have guns? They have swords, but they have, they do have guns. Are they, like, laser guns? They have to be. They there must be are laser, laser guns. guns, but uh, there's other inventions. Like, there's even a mechanical horse at one point that can sense danger. Um, this is going way back in the cartoons. Uh, there's, I mean, there's winged creatures. Like, there's all these things. Like, um, it's... Well, because, like, it, everything is a mix of magic and science, Magic, right? science, and um, Greek mythology. There's a lot of Greek mythology in it. So, I actually didn't have that much of a problem with, you know, like, how they did everything. It... it you're going to have elements of both as long as it doesn't match up with like earth and you know, the weird Midwestern place that most of the movie takes place. I had no idea where this movie took place, by the way, only okay. that Courtney Cox wants to go to New Jersey you, for some reason. You brought it up. So here we go. We're going to earth now. Oh, we're going to earth. We're going to earth. Welcome to you, earth. You went there. <clears throat> the problem with earth. <laughs> there's a lot of problems with earth. A lot. <laughs> but the problem with earth is, is that, well, one, here's the answer to your question about Courtney Cox. The reason why she's trying to run away to Jersey is because her parents just died. Oh, my God. It was so stupid. So she's, she's doing the all-American run away from your problems, leave the boyfriend behind. Side note. 
why did the parents die? She a plane they, crash. They, well, a plane crash, but why were they on the plane? So Courtney Cox. Oh, they never say. No, yeah, they do. They're rich white people. Why they don't got you a plane. watch this movie? <laughs> rich white people. They got a plane. I watch no. it for Dolph Lundgren's thighs. Okay, here's here's what <laughs> happens with Courtney Cox's parents. Um, there's one day where they're like, "Hey, let's go to the beach." Courtney Cox is like, "No, I have to study." They're uh-huh. like, "Okay, well, since you're not coming with us, we're going to fly." Somewhere. To some island or something. Like, they, they're not going to go to the beach. They're going to fly somewhere instead in their private plane. Because they're bougie. And they crash their plane and die. So Courtney Cox blames herself because she was too busy studying. And so because of the guilt, after right after she graduates, which, like, the, these two high school, quote-unquote, high school kids... They're high school kids, are, but they're movie college yeah, kids. Like. <laughs> they're graduating the following day, even though, like, there you never see any other high school kids around, even though we it, some of it's out of high school. And right after that, she's going to... Uh, her boyfriend is going to drive her to a bus, and the bus is going to take her to the airport. That made me laugh as well. <laughs> He's, he, he will not drive her to the airport. He's going to drive her to the bus. Well, maybe the airport, to to the airport closest to this little town is like really, really far. He is torn up about her leaving. This is their last night together. He's not going to drive her to the airport like he did but he could oh my god what a loser <laughs> so here's he's more the... he's more like he's a bigger boner for charlie the music guy than he does for her oh god uh, anyway continue so so the problem with earth is well when you compare it to eternia eternia the rules are kind of endless let's be real it's a fantasy world and even then they have rules but all of a sudden they go to earth and everyone acts like it's completely new, completely normal to see laser guns and people half naked with like metal embellishments on their bodies and stuff. Like the only person that has a real reaction is um, her boyfriend when he sees them and is like, "Who the hell are these people? Get them away! Do not go with them." Courtney Cox from the get go, after she's attacked by the mercenaries, she's like, "Oh, okay, you're a good person," and decides to walk around with a half naked man in a cape. Wait a minute! No, everyone has an issue when they see any of these people. They all freak out. Not Courtney Cox. Uh. Yeah, do you, excuse me, we both audibly reacted when Courtney Cox did her, like, like her fingers and her hair scream thing. That's later on in the film. She does and that, that was because she saw her dead mother. Okay, no, 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 hold on. I, oh, man, I don't like the fact that I have to stand up for this movie. Okay. I love it. So, <laughs> so Courtney Cox is waiting for her deadbeat boyfriend in the gym because Correct. he needs to go jerk off, you know, to Charlie and playing the keyboard. Yes. So she's waiting for him. And all of a sudden, um, the mercenaries come in because they're following the trail of the key. Mm-hmm. And she freaks out because these are like horrifying creatures coming after her. Which is awesome. She freaks she out. She get her head chopped off. She freaks off. out. The boyfriend freaks out. The, the janitor, the drunk janitor freaks out as well. Side oh, I note, remember. The drunk janitor gets the shit beat out of him, but uh, he you know, gets carted off into the ambulance. Did you see what they put on his chest when he, they were putting him onto the ambulance? No. A bottle of booze. They had to make sure to kind of give you the hint that, like, nobody's going to believe him because he's a drug. Oh. So that's bizarre. What a weird little detail. Um, my only point is, everyone freaks out when they see these people. Here's the actual problem. There are no people in this town. That's true. There's no budget for extras? There's no... You only have one scene where they're extras. It's, like, where they're waiting outside of the burnt-out yeah. gym. 
That's it. Well, and also, so Courtney's waiting for the band, and they're, like, preparing for this big dance party, and, and nobody's no there. <clears throat> no band, and nobody's there to prepare the party but this, her. This, She's bro- by herself. The whole thing is done by her. It's so strange. <clears throat> like Again, budgetary, though. Yeah, I mean, look, I get it, again, but it's just, there isn't, there, nobody's in this movie. There's no one there. Hey, there's the music guy. Oh, Charlie. Charlie. You remember Charlie's name? That's really random. Yeah, because they said it over and over again. Charlie. Every, like, Charlie, every five minutes, Charlie. the uh, the boyfriend's like, I'm going to go see Charlie. <clears throat> oh, Charlie's going to have what I need. Oh, Charlie's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Who gives nothing to the story? Nothing. The uh, detective gives more. So that so guy. So the detective. Okay, that guy is awesome. Who's he is, on the trail as well now. He's playing the same exact character that he does in Back to the Future. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the same character. In fact, they do a reference to Back to the Future in this movie. I don't know if you caught it. No. I'm pretty sure they did. Guys, you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I remember this. So in the first Back to the Future, the first time you meet this guy, he's the principal at the high school, right? And um, he talks about, like, communists. He has an issue with, like, Russians and communists. Uh And... When he's uh, talking to Charlie and he's asking about the synthesizer, the key, whatever he thinks it is, he asks if he thinks it's Russian. And Charlie just gives him this look. I'm pretty sure that was a reference to Back to the Future. Okay. Yeah. It was just I never a little side it. joke. I never got it. I liked it. It was cool. He probably was like, hey, I did this popular movie. Can I do this line oh, about geez. it? And they're like, okay. We they're don't probably care. like, sure. You're playing the same character. That guy was awesome. He's it's so He's weird in a in different movie. movie, though. Totally different movie. Different it's so movie. bizarre. <clears throat> can I just, can we just talk about the end with him? Um, are we there yet? You tell me. I can wait. Uh, give it two seconds. Okay, it's my okay. favorite. It's honest. I think it's my favorite part of the movie. Okay, so we're getting towards the end of this film, oh, and oh, after oh, we're just skipping right to there. <laughs> what is there else to talk about? Well, you know, uh, Skeletor comes to Earth, and um, okay, so this they is still okay. So if we want to, let's know. elaborate a little bit more on the fact that nobody is in this town because when Skeletor comes in, all of a sudden on this massive a parade float. Yeah, Nazi parade float. A Nazi parade float after Evelyn has been traveling around with one, both of them with dozens of guards each. All of a sudden, you got both of them and flying skateboards as well everywhere. Oh my god, yeah. And nobody in the town is reacting. There's no police officers on the scene. After a massive explosion at the music thing, you would think that fire engines would come, cops would come flying, like, all this stuff. Well, the best part is the detective is telling <clears throat> his, his comrades, the police officers, oh, like, yeah. look, there are all these people invading, and there's, there's you know, the, the music shop is burnt out, and, like, and there's like, all this what? damage, and they're like, you're crazy. Like, they're not no even mentioning the, the, burnt, the, dirt, the burnt down music store. It's like, what does he have to do? Does it, like, does he have to be impaled by, like, one of these swords? Like, what's yeah, happening? Pretty much, pretty much. I felt very bad for him. So, <laughs> so, it's just insanity. Um, so then He-Man gets captured, and this is where we thought the budget was bad before, but the budget really starts to plummet at this point, from the point that he starts getting whipped with a cartoon laser. Um, he was also reacting to it um, at the wrong moments, which is <laughs> so great. There are a bunch of moments. Again, Dolph Lundgren had his you know epic reveal where he was bored, he then, like, when... So, okay, with Dolph Lundgren, when they do, like, his sword fighting and stuff, the action scenes, they can't... It, 
uh, apparently the sword was extremely heavy, so he couldn't yeah. do a lot with it. So their uh, solution was to re- like go super close up on him, and he just makes these faces that are like, like I am taking the biggest shit of my life. Like <gasps> I just am am going to rupture this toilet. Oh. Like that's the faces he's making. I'm, I'm I'm not making it up. Uh. Watch the movie. Um, they're hilarious, but they are so horrible these faces and it's because they couldn't afford like they could i don't know they probably couldn't afford like multiple swords they couldn't afford like probably actual not. fight scenes probably not Ugh, this the the action scenes are are dreadful in this movie they're embarrassing in this movie yeah they are and actually the the chasing on the skateboards when they're chasing each other around just before he-man's brought back to attorney and whipped with a cartoon laser, it looks like they put Mattel toys on little plastic things. Yeah. Like, it, you can tell that it's it's really poorly done. And then what happens is they... So all the heroes get ripped back into Eternia against their will, kind of, um, because they wanted to go back and win. And what it looks like happening is that they're losing, in fact. Oh, this is after Courtney Cox gets poison leg? Like poison gangrene. leg from Skeletor. Uh, this was used to lure He-Man. Uh, and uh, Eva Lynn successfully got the key, but then lost it by impersonating her mother. Um, so they showed Eva Lynn as if she were a bit of um, a witch, I kind of guess. Isn't she supposed to be? I think they, they say at one point, she, that witch. She is, but she doesn't use much of her power, like, in the film. Like, she does a lot of, like, Shakespearean talk and stuff. There were so many moments that they could have, like, amped her up a bit. You, you know, know, it's funny. She could have impersonated a cop to, like... Like, if cops were coming to a scene of, like, a huge fight that was happening, she could have walked over and pretend to be a sexy cop and, like, tell them to go the other direction. So, so all this shit goes down on, on Earth, and then they go back to Eternia, and they're like, you know what? We're lucky we have this set, but we don't have the budget for the end of this fight. So, and this is even in the behind-the-scenes stuff. They talked about, like, Frank Langella said, there was this huge choreographed fight that he was supposed to be involved in. And it ended up being that they said, no, we don't really have the time or money or something. Um, and so it becomes a shadow show a bit. Like, it becomes a light show. All of a sudden, you look. it looks like they put the Castle of Grayskull on a concert stage and lit it up. It, it looks like... Um, uh, when I... Um, my dad used to take us to Universal Studios as kids, and mm-hmm. they had, like, the Terminator 2 show. And they did a lot of, like, yes. lights going out kind of to, like, play with, like, these action <clears throat> scenes that they can't do there. Yeah. But it's kind of a nice cheat. It's bizarre to see that in a feature film, though. It was bad. Yeah. Um, it was to give it, like, a really dramatic look, but it just looks bad because they're not even moving that fast in the fight. Yeah. Like, there's no... It doesn't feel like they're really struggling. No. It's... it's You can see how slow they're moving in this fight. Um, also... Mm-hmm. Do you like Skeletor's, like, ultimate look in this? It's so, like... Okay, so so here, the ultimate look Max is talking about is, so in the end, he does, in fact, gain the power of Grayskull. He gets, he becomes the master of the universe, and he basically... Wait, I thought it's the powers of the universe. Is, is he getting the powers of the universe or Grayskull? <sighs> it's never clarified. Oh, my God. <laughs> so stupid. So he gets a uh, like a a gold headdress, if you will. He get, yeah, he gets like a, a gold kabuki mask and like a, yeah, like a gown. It's very Japanese ish. Yeah, I would say like inspired. But like, what for? Like, I don't know. So now you're gonna have him fight in this massive headdress, and I think that was maybe part of the issue too. Is like you just weighted down your actor with like all this crap. Like. 
Also, if you're going to do evil, like evil guy reaches like ultimate form, you know, this is like Dragon Ball Z, like every enemy like changes oh. into like their ultimate form. Yeah. Zelda, Ganondorf <clears throat> always changes into like ultimate form, right? Mm-hmm. Have them still like in their kind of evil colors. They always, like all of these other things, like they always have like, you can still sense the same kind of color scheme. Yeah, this is not With that. this one, they turn gold. And it's like, this doesn't look like the same character anymore. It's like all of a sudden he's like good, you know? He's like, oh, I'm Glinda now. I'm Glinda the Good oh, Witch. No. I finally understand the error of my ways. Oh, Jesus. It's just like, guys, keep him like purple and, you know, like dark and black. Like, I, you keep, oh, I hate it's, this movie. It's pretty bad. So then, So then what Max was getting to, which I like put a full stop to, uh, the end of the movie oh, is like, him. yeah, after they beat Skeletor, uh, they're like, hey, we need to, we need to wrap this mother up. And so to wrap this mother up, the cop decides, hey, I'm going to stay in Eternia. I love it here. And there's this like woman with this like gorgeous 80s hairdo. <laughs> okay. Like a sexy vixen. It's like, oh, those are what the people of Eternia look like apparently, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they added one more person. To Literally. Eternia. Just because one. nobody was there to congratulate them no. and thank them. Like, they could have had this huge scene at the end of the movie where you had the people of Eternia just like, woo, Basically, like the like end of the, Star Wars. Exactly. The end of, they should have done the end it of Star Wars. It would have been the end of Star Wars, but it wasn't. So, okay. My favorite thing about the detective is that he's an asshole. This guy's not, he's not a good guy. He's yeah. just an asshole. He's not finds himself. No, not at all. He's t- if he was given the chance, he totally would have sided with Skeletor. Like, he would have oh turned on them and be like, I don't know, these assholes. Yeah, fine, I don't give a shit. Whatever, kill them. But they reward him in the greatest way possible. With a prostitute. Basically, yeah. So, <laughs> as far as I understand it, they they aren't in Eternia. After the final battle, they're not there for that much longer. Or maybe they are. I would like to think it's not that long. So, this guy has fallen in love with this girl. They've fallen in love in, like... Five hours. Yeah, probably. And he's decided that he's going to stay because he got some new clothes. And he's going to live at the castle. He says, I got a castle. I got a woman. It's like, like, what castle is he talking about? What? Wh- who, why do you How many castles are in Eternia? I guess they need a new king because He-Man's incompetent. Or they don't even understand. They, they don't, even, don't even say whether he's a duke or what. Here's, here's, I have an idea though. I was thinking about this after the movie ended. Oh no. I'm pretty sure the detective has a wife at home that he hates. And so he just but decided. But wouldn't it have been funny if they had that as part of the story from the get-go? I would like to think that they leave it to the viewer to assume. I assume he's got a wife that he hates. He's been married to her for like 30 years. He hates his life. Nobody respects him at the, the precinct. So he says, fuck this. I'm going to go live in Eternia. I'm going to rule over all these assholes. <laughs> this woman fell in love with me in five hours. They're all idiots. That's, that's what I would like to think. Okay, so what maybe would have solved this film would have been cutting out Courtney Cox's character. I'm no. sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Because she's she doesn't help in any way in the end. In the end, it's the, the musician boyfriend who knows how to play music that plays the melody to get them back to Eternia. And then you have the cop who actually can fight. So what if the cop and the kid were the ones that get tied up into this mess? And it's because they ran, in, ran into each other during the... During the um the da- the what do you call it the dance hall scene this the that yeah <laughs> I didn't even realize watching this movie Courtney Cox makes no difference she in this does movie. absolutely None. nothing in this movie wow 
What? She gets in the way. She she does get in the way. She, she literally she steals the, the key. Way. She almost fucks everything up. She's the reason why He Man and the and the um, assassins are constantly fighting is because of Courtney Cox. Oh my She's God. in the way. That uh, another reason I hate this movie. Um. Oh, a question. So the boyfriend. We didn't really get much into him. The master song maker, if you will, who is a master song maker because he can remember uh, a simple tune. Like a five-second tune. This is Gwildor's de- definition. That's um, why. Like uh, how, she, how he defined him or labeled him. It makes sense that this plot kind of moves along because of Gwildor. Because Gwildor is the one who's like, No, I'm as a song maker. I've made the key. I'm going to fuck this cow. Everything makes sense to this movie. Anyway, um, do you like, think... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. I just oh. got it. What? So what would have happened is in in a much better version of this film is fuck the Courtney Cox character, get rid of it. It's not necessary at all. But that kid who's the master song maker later on when Gwildor and him meet, yeah, they should have met at the fried chicken place and he should have been working there oh. because when he came out, he could have been throwing something in the garbage and saw Gwildor digging in the garbage can. That's definitely appropriate to Gwildor. Yeah. He definitely lives appropriate in the to the character. Can. So he finds him and then they become a weird friendship after they freak out each other. Finds out that they need help and 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 dealing with music. So he agrees to help them on Earth because obviously they can't get around. And then you have a little buddy friend funny thing going on. And then as things start to happen, this cop that we get introduced to starts to follow the tracks of what's happening and he's the only one that realizes it's happening in town and nobody believes him. Yeah. How great would that have been? Well... You're welcome right here. Yeah, the problem is then you don't have a... Like, it's even less time with He-Man and his two friends. Isn't it weird that He-Man just hangs out with, like, a dad and his daughter? Yeah, they're strange? (laughs) Also, do we ever establish, like, who He-Man actually is? Because in the cartoon, he's a prince, right? He's Prince Adam. Yeah, but I don't think they ever really established that. They They never call him Prince Adam. People love him. Um... Here was my and, yeah, weird uh-huh. idea. What if... So you know how um, in the cartoon, he turns from Prince Adam to He-Man? Correct. Which I never... Even as a kid, I never understood because he's always, like, jacked as Prince Adam. And he basically just, like, his transformation is he just... his clothes off. They just take away his clothes. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Um, I think they fixed that in the newer cartoon. <clears throat> uh, they did kind of like a, a Shazam uh, type okay. of thing. I could buy that. What if... The the master song maker, the boyfriend character, because I think like he was kind of blondish. He had like a mullet as well. What if instead of like instead of it being just like a different planet or part of the universe, they did like multiple universe theory, like everything is doing nowadays Uh and they come to this alternate Earth and it turns out that this guy is actually the, the version of He-Man for this Earth. Like, he is, he turns out to be, like, the hero of this Earth. Just like He-Man is the hero of Eternia. Okay. Which is kind of like their Earth. So it's, like, parallel thing. They're linked up like that. Mm-hmm. So to make them, like, even, make him even more important, again, you don't need Courtney Cox for this. You really don't. That's the sad but part. But, like, what if it was that? Because then you kind of play with that idea of, like, you know, He-Man and his other... Because that's the thing I don't yeah. actually like about this movie. I don't know a lot about the lore, but I know that he turns into He-Man. I don't Correct. like that he's He-Man the entire time. The entire time. And then he acts as though he is 
He-Man with the power of the whatever. Yeah. And then at the end of the film, he literally grabs the sword and says, I have the power. Yeah, he Which was the like, sword. he has to say this because this is his thing. It's just like, he drops the sword at one point. And it's like, he's still the same person. Yeah. And they also don't have Battle Cat, which kind of helps with the idea of, like, Battle Cat is a very scared cat. And then when Herc- or Hercules, oh my god, when He-Man gets the power, uh, Battle Cat becomes Battle Cat. He becomes, like, this shield, red-shielded badass, you know. Battle Cat never gives a, his consent for that, though. Yeah, I guess not. No, and they couldn't afford to put a massive cat in this movie. There's no. just no way. They couldn't afford, well, that's all. They couldn't afford to make the, co- the toy anyway, so Battle Cat... Watch the documentary. It's actually fascinating. It is. It's yeah. all on Netflix. There's a big thing going on with it because they're trying to, as we what we talk about, reboot it. Oh, now here's what? the thing. Oh, yeah, I they. Was, they I thought keep, we were going to segue. Uh, we are segueing to segue. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we think this should have been rebooted? Um, sh- or or should be actually because it is actually it's gone through a couple of script rewrites. There has been concept art that's floating out there on the internet. There has been casting ideas. There have been directors attached to it. So it's they want to do it because by two thousand nineteen the the um, the rights as they call it mm-hmm. or the go it reverts back to Mattel. So Sony needs to do something something with it by two thousand nineteen. If not, they lose it. Okay, admittedly, I'm not the biggest fan of Master of the Universe. I don't have that connection, but. I say reboot it, but I have a specific idea. Okay. Um, now, this is going to get a little... Mm, no. Well, okay. Energy-wise, I think it needs to be kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy. You need to have yeah. like this like little group of you know rebels and like have Skeletor already kind of be in power and like it's the rebellion to get back Eternia. Definitely, that would be cool, yeah. Definitely have <clears throat> a kid who turns into He-Man, like the prince has escaped... He, you know, turns into He-Man, whatever. But he doesn't turn into He-Man until near the end of the movie when he fights Skeletor. No. Because he can't get the sword. Um, uh, See, that's a problem. uh, So then he's running around. Look, change that. But he can use the inventions that Man-at-Arms has. No, fuck Man-at-Arms. Do you want to hear? <laughs> Give it to Orko. I think you should keep that consistent. Take it away from Man-at-Arms. Um, do you want to hear my casting for He-Man? Yeah, sure. Dave Batista, who plays Drax. Oh, um... Here's, here's my thing. Here's my idea. Now, it's, again, if you're doing, like, the energy of Guardians of the Galaxy, I, I get it. It's a little too on the nose. I think, one, I love Dave Bautista. No, I love him, too, but... Two, his humor's great. He's a giant dude. Yeah. Um, He can also have, like, really good quiet moments, which he showed in Blade Runner 2049. It's the only part of the movie that I stayed awake to watch. <laughs> um... I think he's actually a really good fit for it. Also, he might stop doing Guardians of the Galaxy now. I don't... That's my idea. And fuck you if you don't like it. Uh, yeah, fuck me, because I, I'm i more of like... It's got to be like a Hem- Hemsworth brother. Oh, come on, he plays Thor I already. I know, I know, I know. Or you know what's going to happen? They're going to discover an unknown, which is probably going to save them money. <laughs> um, do an unknown from, like, Australia or from England. It's not going to be an American actor, we all know that. Really, if they are rebooting it, they're doing it with The Rock. No. They, you know they would do They already the did rock. Hercules, and that was like, ugh. Uh, I don't... It was movie, a fun movie. It was not fun. as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, I can agree there, but still, no. What? You know they're doing it with the He rock. doesn't even look like Hercules. Or he, Hercules. Oh, I keep saying that. He-Man. Oh, yeah. Well, 
It's fine. You are There's a good reason, life. because if you when you watch the documentary on Netflix, they do talk about that He-Man is very much influenced by the Hercules um, myths and also Conan, because Conan was huge. Oh, what if they did it with, like, Jason Momoa? But they still gave him that same haircut from the cartoon. It's got to be a blonde, blue-eyed guy. I'm sorry. I'm not racist. Oh, no. You have... <laughs> the internet will get you. No, it's just that you have a toy that is, like, so specific. There is such... And it's based off of this image of, of Prince Adam to He-Man. Like, it oh, has the, the, I'm to sorry, be. the Ubermensch? You want him to be a blonde, blue-eyed Ubermensch? Yeah. See, if you do that, then the Nazis won. What's your problem? You know who you could make, like, mixed race or whatever you want? Do that with Man of Arms and his daughter, because it, for me, it doesn't matter with those two. You know? Or or even Lin could be, like, a sexy Asian sex bomb, you know? I've never been so disappointed in I'm you. I'm sorry, but no. Such All right, so so for my <laughs> for my my take on this, sure reboot it. I absolutely do want to see. I'm always going to watch this original one, but um, I would like to see, and I've heard that this is what they're trying to do, is the next movie make it completely take place in Eternia. Yeah. Really establish this world, really define it, give it its people, its history, all that stuff. Like really fill it up, and only put it in Eternia. Don't bring it anywhere else. Anywhere else. Like that's stupid. You know, it's funny, um, I know that they're rebooting um, She-Ra uh, as, as a an, new cartoon yes. um, on Netflix. I think it's going to yeah. be on Netflix. I have a funny feeling if that cartoon does well, which it's being set up to, um, that will light the fire under their asses. And I think they actually will greenlit and uh, uh, speed the production along for yeah. Master of the Universe. Well, you know She-Ra was supposed to be in this movie, Masters yeah, of they, the Universe. Yeah, they actually they should have had her in it rather than Tila. Tila was not She would have been a stronger addition. choice, and yeah. she's his sister, so it yeah. would have been a little bit more exciting if something were to happen to one, or, one of them, like if She-Ra got taken prisoner for some reason during it, during the big fight, and so that's a reason for He-Man to get into the Grayskull a little stronger. Well, like Really, they should have had stuff still going on in Eternia. Like, the fight was still going? Yeah, almost yeah. Like, like a B storyline with... Um, you know, He-Man stuck on Earth. Um, and she were leading she, the resistance. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It, such a missed opportunity with that. Again, budget, obviously. Um, yeah, I say reboot it. Uh, reboot yeah, this sucker. Dude, I think Batista would kill it. I think, like, because in the end, it would turn out to be a movie that's kind of like a mix of um, Guardians of the Galaxy and Big. Okay. Or Can uh, I... Shazam coming up. Now, just before we go... The other important character, who would you cast as Skeletor? Oh, uh... I mean, there's a billion and one British old men that could be this. You know, it's funny. Um, you gotta give uh, uh, um, Frank Langella a lot of credit because the voice and image of Skeletor was so nasally for the cartoon oh, yeah. that he really, like, he brought, like, that... that Deep, you know, like and that's deep also of its time. It. Like a lot yeah. of villains in cartoons back then. If you watch GI Joes, all that stuff, all the villains had a nasal quality about them. I think that I mean, one honestly, you're probably going to do a lot of CG for um uh, for Skeletor. Oh, um, I hate that. Yeah, I know, but the reality is, like, you probably will. I'm thinking more voice, Ian McShane. 
Ian McShane. Uh, he Ian plays McShane. Um, Odin in American Gods. He was in the Hercules movie as the um, the oh, Oracle. He's or a little Sister. short. Well, I'm just saying a in lot voice. Short. I'm just in saying voice. In voice. Yeah, no, voice you know, totally. I that, completely agree there. Or you have him like dub the person, like have because. Well, the thing is, you want a sword fight like between Skeletor and He Man, right? It's going to be like Benedict Cumberbatch watch. Because he has a voice. Yeah. And if you just have him in CGI, like he has the height, he's in shape. They'll probably just big, make him bigger. You I, th- know? I think they're going to do like, um, you know, get the it's guy. It's going to be a voice. Yeah, yeah, get the guy who does the, the like body for like, you know, Jason Voorhees, like uh, that type of yeah. dude or a wrestler. Um, have him do mostly everything. Do the CG for his face, which if you want to do like a, a skeleton head, you have to. Yeah. And then dub him with Ian McShane. That's that's my casting. And they could even do the whole motion capture Ian McShane's yeah. face. Oh. Put the skeleton on that, paste yeah. that onto the body. Like they could he, do that. Yeah, and then Ian McShane can actually have a full performance that you know, would in be face cool. and voice. That would be cool. That, yeah, that's what I would do. That's my All choice. All right, we can agree on that. <laughs> I didn't think of that way, but you'd have to have a killer budget for that. Which I think they would throw at it. I think they are going because they want the battle cat. They want all sorts of stuff in there. Like yeah. there is mechanical, like tank-like things that they use. Like if, there's a lot of futuristic things in, in this that they could be putting in there. That could be toys. Here's the thing: we live in a world where they have thrown how much money at the Transformers franchise, and it paid um, off. For they're them. even thinking of doing. I mean, they did Battleship. Um, they uh, are are kind of putting together like GoBots and. Uh, G.I. Joe and all these other movies. Yeah. They're going to throw money at Masters of the Universe. <clears throat> you know, they, they, they'll they look at this movie that we unfortunately watched oh, and they'll so say, good. this is what happens when you don't put money in this. Let's actually do something with it. This is what happens, but you can also see the potential in it. Yeah, well... There's a lot. There's a whole fleshed out world. It, everyone wants their shared universe, right? And it starts with that theme music. No, we're going to redo that. <laughs> God, ugh, stupid music. Um, no, they already have it kind of built around... They already did the legwork. Yeah. Uh, so many, like, decades of fans did this legwork, right? You have, like, the characters of He-Man, that, that cartoon, um, She-Ra, that's already there as well. And then you have the comics, you have the new cartoon where they fleshed out, you know, these backstories. Yeah. That's most of the work right there. Put that all into a screenplay. I gotcha. I'm a screenwriter. I'm going to do it. All right, do it. And then I'm going to submit it. And you're going to buy it for me. Do it to it. Because I got, I got solutions. Um, so, look. We're going to wrap this mother up with a fond farewell. And I'd like to say to Max, good journey. Oh, you're doing, the, you're doing the stupid hand thing. <laughs> That's in the movie. They created a farewell. Very oh. Hawaiian looking. Good journey to you too, Good CM. journey. Good journey. Good journey. Until Will next time. Oh, shit. Move. <laughs> oh, will I have the power next episode? Uh, you may very well have the power next episode. I will have the power. So <laughs> now that you got that out of your system, thank you guys for listening so much. As always, this is CM along with uh, I'm Max. Um, and if you want to write us, yes, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter um, account names revisit and ruin. Uh, for both of them, you can also write us at revisit and ruin at gmail.com. 
Let us know how we're doing, if you have questions, things you want us to watch, things you think, hey, uh, you got that wrong, uh, maybe you should correct that on your next episode. Totally. Welcome uh, it. Bring Meg, it on. Meg, uh, what's her name? Meg Ryan? Me no. <laughs> Meg, Meg Foster? Meg Foster. Meg Foster, if you're listening and you want to send the restraining order our way, what? I'll make sure CM gets that. I think she's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, oh, also, uh, write us a review and give us a, a thing on whatever app you're Follow listening us. to. Follow us. On all those things that you, if you guys do. if you follow, then you truly will have the power. Wow. G.I. Joe! <laughs> no, no G.I. Joe. All right. <laughs> Good journey, guys.